Hello, and welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. My name is Tina Conroy. I am so grateful you are here. As a professional intuitive medium, Reiki master, and yoga teacher, my intention is to explore intuition so you can gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. I honor your spiritual growth. Thank you for listening. Today on the podcast is an audio version of my presentation of pre-week at the PodFest Global Summit. The PodFest Global Summit was an amazing, amazing event. And Chris Kremitzos is the most amazing moderator and producer of this presentation. I am so excited because they have attempted to make the world record. And and when you hear this, I will let you know that they have probably set the world record. This is the audio version of my presentation. The presentation did have audio slides and a presentation, but honestly, it is so jam-packed with so much information. My presentation was about how to use a podcast to fill live events. I talked about the retreats that I've held with my sister Dawn, the Spirit Sisters Retreat in Sedona and Costa Rica, as well as other workshops and presentations. And I love talking podcast. I love talking with Chris. And I wanted to put this on the podcast so you could hear the audio version. I hope you enjoy. Have a beautiful day. Awesome. So guys, uh, I'm going to welcome to the stage, Tina Conroy, a good friend of ours. Uh, I've known Tina now for years. Seems like it's amazing how fast these relationships and like, she's from Long Island. I'm from Long Island. I know Dr. Ellen's in Manhattan there in New York. So a lot of us connect uh, from where we, where we are, where, where we're going. And um, Tina and my wife, Katie are really good friends. And Tina's done a really great job of filling live events. And I just want to make sure everybody knows I do believe sometime next year, live events will be coming back. People are doing, believe it or not, people are doing small retreats still. I have seen that. Uh, They're being very cautious for obvious reasons. But Tina's done a masterful job of taking her podcast and building out retreats. My personal opinion is next year, once everything clears up, we're going to see a spike in retreats like we've never seen before because people are starving to get together and also, uh, Tina's got some really cool online tools of how she communicates with her audience, because all of us, that's how we start mostly, is online, a little bit in person, and then all of a sudden we're doing these things. Tina, thank you for being part of this. Um, I will yield the floor to you, and I'm excited. I'll be listening on mute. If you need anything, let me know. Once you're done, we'll open it up to Q&A, and I'll be watching chat uh, on my phone, and we'll, we'll ask the questions that people have. So uh, go for it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. And I am just a little bit about me. So I'm a psychic medium, a Reiki master, yoga teacher, and the host of the Intuitive Women podcast. And like Chris said, I have been hosting live events for a pretty long time. And I want to share with you how live events uh, has really, my podcast has helped me create live events and community. And truly it's about community. So I'll be speaking a lot about community. I'll be talking about my three strategies to fill live events with your podcast. So the first one I talk about in the strategy is the pre-stage. So I'll talk about the pre-stage, the main stage, and the post-stage. So the pre-stage is we want an event, we create an event, how do we get people there? So you hear a lot of times, how do we get people in the seats? Or 
at the retreat or at the workshop. So a little bit about my background, as I said, as a yoga teacher, a healer, a psychic medium, I've held retreats, day retreats, as well as weekend retreats. And this last year, 2019, my first away retreat for a week across country and across, you know, out of the United States. So we build community. This is the way we do it. So we build community with our podcast. We also build it with what I say, the extra arms. And one of them is the Facebook group that I have. So the Intuitive Women Facebook group is about 890 members, majority of women. That is my ideal client. So it's always good to know who is your target and what do they want. Ask, listen, engage, and support. So I'm always asking my community, what do you want? Where do, you, where do you want to go? What is your need? Um, and then listening, engaging. So my Facebook group is really the arm, one of the very strong arms to my podcast because this is where we are engaged. I'll do many contests as well as polls. Um, when I was holding my first retreat that was outside of New York, it was, where do you want to go? Let's do some let's do some Q&A. Let's do some support. I get on, do a lot of Facebook lives and utilize that. And from that, that was when the first one was created. And that was away in Sedona in 2019. So here's the pre-event. This is the first strategy that I use. How do you get people to know about your event? So for me, we still have word of mouth. I believe that we build the community, we build that connection with people. And so as a yoga teacher in person is still, people are right in front of me. Calling on the phone, we still have a phone, texting, uh, messaging. So really spreading word of mouth. And then the more relationship you have with one person, it continues to the next person. So something about word of mouth, which I think is so important, especially for a retreat where people are trusting you to take them maybe out of the country, go away for a week with accommodations, foods, issues, all of that is what did someone else do? Did they enjoy it and pass it on? Now, when I finally pick the place and choose where we're going or the workshop, I am always my call to action on my episode. I'm always my ad or my sponsor. So I do all my ads and I believe that when you fill live events, you are your best person. So put in those call to actions, do as an intro, a mid-roll, an outer, and just continue that. Contests. People love contests. So I've ran many different contests through the podcast. Again, also through the Facebook. So remember, they're working in tandem. Contests to get people to the events, to the workshops, and they love contests. Everybody loves to win. Facebook again, and Instagram. So Instagram has also become very important in the growing of the events. So I go on often for my Instagram stories, always where are we going, showing where we're going. Instagram stories has become exceptional in really showing people where are we going and where are we going next. So really hyping up what's going on. Being guests on other podcasts, again, really important. You want to hold a live event, get on other podcasts. Uh, I've been, it's been a phenomenal thing to do. Get out there, speak to other people, get on other podcasts and uh, share all the events that are coming up in your local area or even if, again, a way like mine. And then of course we have email marketing. We can't forget about email marketing, still really important. Okay, so they say, yes, they're excited. They're coming, they want to come. They've, they booked the seats, they're on their way. Here we go. Okay, so here's one of my main events. Now we're in the main event. You have them, they're there, 
Here we are in Sedona at the top of Cathedral Rock. We're excited. I brought 14 women uh, with my sister and I. So we've created this together, the Spirit Sisters Retreat. And with no website, with very little, very little tech- technology, word of mouth, we made these connections with these women. So we took 16 women, I think we were 16 women total, 14 plus us, to Sedona for a full week. And while I was there, we have the main event. What's important about the main event is you always need to think about how are we filling more events? So I interviewed every single lady there, made it simple. And then when I got back, had them on the podcast. Out of 14 women that went to Sedona in, in uh, April of 2019, we had eight return to Costa Rica in November 2019. So that's a pretty, pretty big retention rate. And I believe that's, again, community and support and service. So these are some of the local events. And again, these are still making those commitments to people. This one is in Long Island, New York, upstate New York. Uh, They were weekends or one day. So just a little bit more of what I do. Here was another opportunity where I asked everybody for takeaways. So it literally record while I was there and then get it onto the podcast and run a different series and talk about the retreats. Again, more workshops. This is local in the area. I work for a wellness studio, certifications. I certify people in Reiki, crystal workshops. And this is my third year coming on more than that in vision. So I record the workshops. I'll video it and then strip it into the audio or do audio. And I'm always promoting what I'm doing to really get everybody excited. So now we had the event. We fill it we have the pre-stage. We have the main stage, people come, and now we have the post-stage. This is just as important as all of it. So some best practices, again, like I said, record from the venue. Bring your mic, bring, bring what you like. There's been times that I've also just recorded right from my phone. Ask people for takeaways uh, and then kind of bring it back into when I get home. Get testimonials from people. I've asked many, many people to for testimonials and takeaways and then putting them together. I'm always asking for them to call into the show. I use my Google voice and then I will put them into the podcast. Everybody wants to be a guest on a podcast. So they're excited to do their takeaways. I've interviewed the chef that we've taken on the different retreats. And then we've kind of hyped it up pre-retreat and post-retreat about some of the foods and done a PDF and a download of the recipes. Um, When you feature your attendees on the podcast, they're excited. It becomes that trust to share to other people. Where are they going next? I'm excited. I want in. Interview them on social media. I've done a lot of one-on-one on the Facebook group. I've also done it again. My sister, I've had her on the podcast. We've talked about our excitement, the post-event, the pre-event, where we're going next. We've done some contests. Where do you think we're going next? And so that's been fun as well. And then create a series. So a lot of the times my podcast is uh, interview, but also meditation. So I have interviewed, I, and once I've done the interview, I'll come back from the trip and I've created a whole series about meditation while in Sedona. So very inspiring and again, exciting of where everybody is. So that's a lot about fulfilling live events. Um, the biggest thing that the, some of the takeaways that I say is get your, get the attendees involved, get them involved from the, from the first, the very first time they hear about it. Um, let them just really get excited to know about where you're coming next. Keep them absolutely engaged. I, um, I can't say how much it is for them to really trust you and to get them to where you really want them to be. So I know that live events will be coming back. 
Um, I know that, like Chris said, I believe that community is going to be very, very important once this is all over and people are really looking to have that connection. So I believe in live events. I know they're coming back. They're going to come back with a vengeance and I'm excited. Awesome. Tina, we're going to take some questions. The, the one thing that I'm always curious about when you're doing like a retreat, what is the expectation you set? Because um, I'm assuming it's a higher price point, like a retreat. Is it a couple thousand dollars? It's yeah. Somewhere around there, right? So how do you set an expectation? So I'm always paranoid about like, whoa, I better make sure I deliver value. <laughs> if that makes sense. How do you set the expectation? So what their, their perceptions or needs are getting met when they travel with you to a place, you know, that no one lives at, like a Sedona. Right. So, you know, we're really connected to all the attendees, you know, and especially taking, so these are women retreats. So you're taking them, you know, away. So their accommodations are very important. Um, we really are in touch with them. Before we take them away, we have some meetings. We'll either do that in person or online. And so we're really, you know, what you're, even from your, like your food allergies, um, sleeping accommodations. We've had different people which had like recent surgery. Um, you know, we're really taking care of them. So you're taking, we took 14 women to Sedona and the price point for Sedona was uh, $2,800, right? So that's an all-in, that's a pretty big ticket. So it's not large in the sense of hundreds of people, but it's, it's a high ticket item and you have to really think about that person that's coming. So, you know, the target audience is important, Chris, because that woman is, you know, she's spiritually minded. She obviously enjoys yoga, healing. She doesn't have to be, you know, a yogi, but she likes the community of other women. I find an older woman or women that their children are, children are older, they can get away, you know, because you need to get away for a week. So you don't have little ones at home usually. That's sort of our target audience, you know, between the ages of, you know, 40 up, something like that. So I like what you said, and I think it's very, it's something that a lot of people don't realize, like a lot of calls up front, making sure that their questions get answered. Accommodations are a big deal because when you're doing retreats, you really have to make sure whatever their needs are, it's getting met. How are you negotiating the accommodations? Are you buying like a bulk rate at a resort? Are people sharing rooms or everybody gets their own room? What have you found really works? Yeah. So the one in Sedona, what we did is we connected with a, um, a very large uh, bed and breakfast. So when we, we kind of bought out, we got the cabins, we took most of the resort. Uh, it was a small resort in Sedona. So we, we added in, my sister and I kind of figured into the pricing. It was the accommodations. Uh, everybody was in this own uh, cabin. And then we had a main cabin because we do need a space. And this is a little tricky with yoga. So maybe different for other venues. We need a large gathering so we can have all of us together for yoga, healing, and meals, but then everybody wanted their own cabin. So we had shared cabins, and then there were some single room cabins and double room cabins. Um, and so that was a little tricky, you know, who wanted double, who wanted single. And at that point, it's sort of first come, first serve. Then we have a little bit pricing if you want single compared to double, but all our accommodations were shared. So nobody really had a single cabin. They might have a single bedroom in the cabin. The food was included. We did a price which was simple. We did a three installment price. Um, we also did like a $300 non-refundable deposit. So you, you pay the 300. Even if you back out, you're not getting that back. And that kind of saved us because we were able to kind of back into, like you said, the first time we did Sedona, we were pretty scared. You know, we had to put about, you know, eight grand down for these rooms and like, where's our back out? You know, where's our safety? And so there is a lot of risk. 
and there's a lot of faith, a lot of praying. There is a lot of just sort of putting those stakes in there, you know, having the installment um, after a certain time, there was no back out clause. Uh, we do have insurance. So there is, we've worked with, you know, now that you can like, there's a, uh, can't think of the name off the top of my head, but you know, they do have travel insurance. So now it's kind of helped us so that we're not completely at risk. So we have them sign that as well. There's a tip I got from an insurance agent. Cause when this whole COVID thing happened, I started talking to insurance people and I didn't know this, but if you, someone like yourself or myself that does retreats, you could actually go get your travel agent license and then you get travel agents insurance, which is literally a fraction of the price and has a hundred pages of inclusions. So it's more robust and it actually cuts down your insurance cost, especially if you're doing retreats because you have to travel to look at different locations. So you qualify under that and then you could actually go check other places out. So that's something I'm going to be probably working towards. Not because I want to be a travel agent, but the insurance is much better than the insurance we get as event people, if that makes sense. There's a lot more uh, inclusions. I would be interested in that. So I will say, uh, kind of share a quick story. We did have a retreat planned for Napa and we had to cancel due, due to COVID. We had rented a very large home in the property of Napa. We had already hired the chef from New York that was going to travel with us. We had our plane ticket, my sister's plane ticket, her plane ticket paid. We had the money for the house and we were really lucky that literally we were supposed to leave April 19th and obviously we know what happened. And we were very lucky that we had the buyout clause. We got, we got all the money back from the house. And I think the only thing that we lost, which we were really, really lucky was like $600. I mean, that's, we could have, it could have been a really big mess. So we were lucky where when we really knew this was happening, we told, you know, we said, okay, guys, full refunding. We got the money back from the house and we refunded everybody back. We were lucky. So, you know, we're in a new time now. And I think that the thing that you said, I will look into that because I think, you know, we need to all now prepare who knew something like this would happen for insurance. Yeah. And, and I, listen, I think once it evens out, things will get regulated just for now. You know, a lot of us, like we're doing right now, we're teaching virtually. We're doing the best we can. You did one out of country, right? Did you do one out of country? Costa Rica. In can you November. talk about, um, I've always wanted to do a retreat out of country. What are some additional logistics maybe you don't think about when you're taking a whole group <laughs> out of country? Because even though Costa Rica sounds great, it's still another country. Yeah. It will be a retreat that we'll never forget. And it was interesting uh, in so many respects. First of all, the airport was three and a half hours from our retreat house. We knew that. Three and a half hours drive. Three and a half hour drive. Now, when you say drive, we think of driving normally on a road. Uh, This was not normal on a road. So I would say two hours was pretty much in a big van, two vans. Uh, The last hour and a half was pretty tricky. And so... I traveled to India years ago by myself. And I always say, if you can go to India, you can go anywhere in the world. So I had prepared myself as the leader. And I think that's something you have to know too. My sister and I were very on. We obviously spending time with them and friends with them, but we are on 24 seven for the seven days. So in thinking that there might be any issues, I brought what I call the provisions, like first aid kit. I had C-bands for car sickness. I had essential oils. I had Tylenol. I had, you know, literally, and I, and we had to use it at times. One woman got sick, you know, car sick. Here I am like passing things down. I don't even Plus, think of these things. So I'm no, glad you're Yeah, like I was prepared. Like we were prepared for as much as we could. Wow. Um, so you're, you have to really think like, you know, as a parent sort of, or you're taking yeah. care, you know? So like, would you, okay, people might get car sick. 
uh, I had Tums, I had Melanta, like I had all of that in this bag that I traveled with uh, to get through customs because I, I, I tried my best to kind of be prepared. And then when we got there, Costa Rica is a different land. I had never been there. The cabins were, you know, good accommodations. However, there were animals. There were lizards sometimes and little bugs. And, you know, you can't stop bugs and you can't stop holler monkeys in the trees. So, you know, you have to be, you have to prepare yourself. And we had some funny times where there was a lizard we had to capture in one of our um, attendees' rooms. And there's my sister and I with a flashlight, you know, and, and you you know, you do the things you do. But, uh, Thank goodness everybody was okay. But it is, there's a lot of, there's only so much you can prepare for. We did the best. And then you're, you're kind of in, you're in another country. You know, it's very different to be in Sedona compared to Costa Rica. So the people though, we really connected with, this is a word of mouth thing. And this is a podcasting. The woman I had on my podcast a year ago had gone to Costa Rica, Costa Rica to this retreat three times. So when I was booking Costa Rica, I directly went to her through a podcast connection through community and we connected. I met the owners. She felt, you know, she could have so much to say about them. She was absolutely right. So the networking in the community, even in podcasting of just, she was on my show. I was on her show. I knew she did retreats, you know, and that's how I, that's how I ended up in Malayaka in, in Costa Rica. So the connections really make, make the difference. When I think the lesson there too, and Tina, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been through this too, is you should visit, even if it's out of country, before you get there, just so you know, things that you might not see in the brochure, so to speak. So you could prepare. Obviously, you were prepared and you got really great recommendations. But I remember once for a retreat, we were going to take them out to dinner. Uh, what's the thing where they joust? Knights of uh, something? Yes, like a medieval. There's medieval a- times, right, right. So I didn't, I didn't. I didn't go to medieval times before I booked it. I just booked it. And I didn't realize you're stuck there for three hours. And like, yeah, okay. The first hour is fun. The next two hours, it gets a little long. So unless you're really into it. So the one thing I would, I would say, and it sounds like you're saying the same thing, like try and plan as many details as you can. You never could plan enough, but that's the whole point when you're taking, I think you mentioned it. You're like a parent and you're the one in charge. So if something goes wrong, they're coming to you. Like, I need your help fixing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other tips on um, like the education? I'm assuming a lot of your stuff is experiential, but I'm sure there's also some education stuff, right? Uh, do you have like an education room or, or a foyer where you get everybody together? So we, when we plan it, we plan our itinerary. So we'll have, you know, the first night is like meet and greet, kind of breaking the ice. These women are coming. They don't know each other. A lot of people oh, are coming right. by themselves, right? Or some of them have a friend or two. So we'll do like, uh, you know, a meet and greet uh, the first night. And, you know, we're pretty structured. I mean, as much as we can be. Uh, we also build in tours. So we've worked with the local economy, but we had, you know, waterfall tour. We've had a crystal tour, you know, figuring out where we are. I would say that, so when we went to Sedona, my sister knew the place, had been there. So there was that. And then for Costa Rica, Crystal, who had been on my podcast and had had many retreats, had been there. So even though we didn't, I didn't personally attend Costa Rica, again, is that feeling... Yuri had someone that had... Yes. Yeah. And she had that, you know, she's had that responsibility and she had that rapport with, it was a husband and wife. You know, I knew the cooking. You know, that's another big thing when you're taking people away for food. I have to say, I never realized learning how many food, uh, is, you know, issues or, you know, allergies. And that was a big deal too. People are vegan or not vegan or they eat bread, but they don't eat, you know. Keto, not keto. It was really, gluten, it's been really interesting, but everyone, you know, worked out really well. And 
And uh, that's important. So there's a lot of things like that. But yes, you're a parent and you're responsible for them. So you try your best to put everything out. So if I could have seen the resort before, um, but I honestly was really pretty trusting of Crystal who had been there a couple times a year. She holds not only retreats, she does yoga teacher trainings for two weeks. So I knew- Yeah, so it worked out after, but it was like, so if I'm hearing you correctly, had you known like a piece of the road, you would have prepared people mentally like, hey, just letting you, and that makes a big difference of them knowing what's going to happen instead of you experiencing it for the first time along with them. Yeah, and passing back- uh, And when they're like, like, where are you taking us? Yeah. You know, what my sister's in one, yeah, exactly. My sister's in one van, I'm in the other with limited service. And she's like, do you really know where we're going? Are we going to be okay? I'm like, just keep breathing. We're got this, you know? (laughs) So how about, this is a question I know a lot of people have. What, um, how do you plan your profit on retreats? Because I mean, people hear the prices, but it is pricey if you're paying for, I'm assuming flights on their own, because it's, it's a nightmare to try and book people's flights. So flights are on their own, but now how do, are you pricing out, okay, 30% for the house, or I'll make, if I sell this many, what is your calculation on, on profit? Sure. So because my sister and I are the service, right? So every day they're getting a meditation and three yoga classes a day. So we're, we're, we're providing the service. Plus we build in two workshops on our, on our own. So I might do a workshop about um, psychic intuition and she might do a workshop on something else. So we're working those profits, right? We're not hiring other people to do that. So we've kind of figured out, and the airline is on their own. So we've sort of figured out what do we want to get paid you know, as a team, because we're going to split it 50-50. And we were both extremely profitable in both retreats. So a lot of people are like, are you really making money? You know, a lot of you hear yoga teachers and they're, they're not making any money. They've gone away. We've not only made money, but we also were, went, went away without, you know, paying for our airfare, paying for our rooms and paying for, not paying for our food. So still a lot of work, but we kind of figure out a price in our head, what we want to walk away with. And then you know, there's always that little bit of, well, this could come up. So let's put, we kind of break it down into category and we have a spreadsheet of like, what's going to work out best. And some trips are going to be more expensive than others. So Costa Rica condition accommodations were a heck of a lot cheaper than Sedona, but then Sedona, but the airline in Costa Rica was higher, even though we weren't paying them. So we had to keep the price down. So there's also this thing, um, which I would think there is this in conferences too, Chris, is that in the yoga world retreat, you really can't be, if you look at the other ones and what we're like looking at, they want you, if you go over that 3000 mark without airline, you're going to have a hard time filling it. So we have to really stay at that like 2,600, 2,800, the 4,000, I've just seen it in our area, just local, even in the broadness people don't want to do it, you know? So it's, it's an interesting game and we have yeah, to- And, and for anyone watching this, profit comes in when- so let's say, I don't know, whatever, whatever your cost is, Tina, let's say your base cost is eight grand. Once you sell that one person, then you're at break even. Anything above that is profit. So it, it's all a factor of how many people can you, can you max out the number. If the number is 15 max, then you're doing really well. If the number is 12, you might be doing good. But then if you're at eight or nine, that's your break even. Some people don't realize that. So yes. it's all about like you want to get to your break even, keep that as fairly as low as you can, obviously, without sacrificing quality. And then you make the money on on those additional sales. Yes, correct. And so Napa would have been, it didn't happen because of COVID, but we started out, we had a big house and we, the ticket for the house itself was nine grand for the house. It was a pretty big house. How many rooms could you fit? How many people could you fit in there? And we had 13 people. Now- At about three grand a piece? 
just a bit, a little bit under. Now, the f- interesting part is, and I feel like, you know, kind of someone was on our side because we were losing people, you know, COVID started and then we were going to be at that, just at that break. We were sort of break even many because we start, we only had nine. Mm-hmm. So I remember my sister and I going, okay, we can do this and we're not going to make what we, you know, what we normally do and we're not going to break even. We're going to make a little bit. Is it still worth it to us? Yeah, let's do it. So we would have, that would have been the one retreat where we would have not really made the profit that we did in the last two. Um, and then COVID came and, you know, the rest was history. So you're exactly right. You have to hit that number of that break even and, you know, like that. You know, Trish Golden's asking, does, does the all-inclusive include airfare? No, uh, we do not build airfare in. So everybody buys their own airfare and then everything else is, is through us. Yeah, and the last the tip I'll, I'll give, Tina, and, and you've given me some really great information. Even I do events all the time. I've done a mastermind where people pay 5000 and they, they show up to the mastermind. And the first time they had to pay for their hotel rooms. Uh, and I will tell you, they all were miserable about, uh, there's something that happens. The next time we found a really amazing resort and we covered the, hotel, the rooms because it was like, it had... It was a three-bedroom house that was really packaged together. didn't cost much. The reviews went through the roof. So I would tell anyone, even if it's a retreat, mastermind, whatever you want to call it, if you could do it the way Tina is saying, people are just happier, if that makes sense. And there's more value in it to them because like, oh, okay, I know Tina's making money, but is she making money? Because she just paid for all my hotel rooms. As long as you don't include flight, that's a big deal. Don't that is a big deal. Yeah, don't do the flights. And that's a nightmare too. You become a booking agent for everybody's flight. I mean, you're already, you know, for the flights, we already had to, you know, have them, pl- different planes were coming in because we have people coming in from Colorado. I had people coming in from Miami. I had people coming in from, you know, all over. So we had them coming in and then we had to kind of wait at the, ho- you know, wait. And then we had, we did, we also, part of our fee, which is really important. This is the other thing. If you're going on a destination, include transportation to and from. And especially women, they, it's really important to have the, everything included but air. Because if they had to book like another transportation, so we made sure that transportation from the airport to the resort and from the resort back was included. And that's another big thing you have to really- That's a great tip. Right you place. feel safe. Yeah. They got you, you, you know, and then yeah. it's fine. It's a pain in the ass navigating, but once you have your attendees in that van and you go where you need to go, yeah. everybody feels like it's, you've taken care of me and I exactly. know- Exactly, exactly. Tina, this is great. Your reception was great. The live stream was awesome. Thank you so much for leading off today and for really uh, sharing what you know. Uh, Anything you want to share about the PodFest community? Because I know we have people watching this. I hope that they connect with you. Guys, connect on Whova. That's the whole point. We all get to know each other, but Tina's a vibrant member of our community. Uh, I'm just so glad you were able to make this. I'm so excited. I have been, the first PodFest I went to was 2017. And I, it's something I look forward to every year. And I can't wait to, I can't wait for this event. And I'm excited to just share it from the rooftops. And also I know we'll be back live together. So I'm, I'm excited. And um, just Chris, you know what, you keep inspiring people. You keep bringing people together. You know, for the very first time I met you um, and Katie, the community has been amazing. I've never felt never good enough. I've always felt that I was a family and I know it continues and I know it'll grow. So thank you for everything you do. Thanks, Tina. Have a, have a great uh, trip. You're out on a, a, a retreat right now somewhere. So yeah. enjoy yeah. it. And thank, thank you, you for taking the time out to be with us. We really appreciate it.